Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, we were looking at Job chapter 9, which, as you pointed out, is the first lengthy, detailed description in the book, which associates the power of God with what we observe in creation around us. And you wanted to continue with that study this week. That's right. We considered quite a few of the details in this passage, but there are still several things that I didn't really have a chance to expand upon. And again, like you mentioned, Scott, this is the first detailed and lengthy passage about creation. Now, obviously, creation, God as creator and so forth, had been referred to. But here's where Job really, in a sense, gives us an expose, almost, of (laughs) a theme that's going to be continued throughout the book, talking about God, his power in creation— Now, a couple of the things that we referred to last time, and we're not going to go over them in detail again, but I just want to touch on them. In verse 4 of chapter 9, it says, wise in heart and mighty in strength. That word mighty, it's not related to Shaddai, God Almighty in the root word of it, but that word is used several times throughout the Bible, and it's always associated when it's talking about God with him working in creation. It also refers to God shaking the earth out of its place and its pillars trembling. There's a vivid picture of God, you know, working in creation, working through earthquakes and things like that. We didn't touch on verse 7 where it says, who commands the sun not to shine and sets a seal upon the stars. Hmm. We might wonder what is being referred to there. Well, it could be referring to later on in prophetic history, where God is actually going to cover the sun, the sky is going to darken, and of course it darkened when the Lord was on the cross. And it also says, setting a seal upon the stars. These statements might be referring to the future, and in fact, future that we haven't even seen yet. But regardless of what specifically Job might be referring to, it's an indication of his power, his control Mm. over the stars over the heavens, we might say. And then in verse 8, Job expands upon that idea when it says, he alone stretches out the heavens, which I think is a explanation or certainly an illusion or an illustration of an expanding universe, which uh, we now know is actually what the universe is doing. Then he goes on to talk about some specific constellations. And this is where, though we mentioned them last time, I want to talk a little bit more about these constellations, the bear, which is the Big Dipper, Orion, and the Pleiades. Let me read verse 9. It says, Who makes the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades in the chambers of the south? Now, God refers to these very same constellations in chapter 38 when he's describing to Job his power. And he says in Job chapter 38, verse 31, Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear with her satellites? Well, verse 32, where it says, can you lead forth a constellation in its season? (laughs) That's a silly thought. You know, could uh, you or I grab a hold of Hercules, (laughs) those stars up there, and start pulling it around? I mean, I was planning on that, but I guess I'll have to forget it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, of, of course, you know, this is just a wild idea, you know, and that's the point. God is making a statement that is so ridiculous for us. And yet, you know what he claims? In essence, he's claiming that he bound the chains of Pleiades and he loosed the cords of Orion. But we might say, what is he talking about? What specifically are these chains or cords? Well, there's an amazing discovery that we made as a result of the Hubble telescope. As we learn more about these stars in the 
little constellation called the Pleiades. By the way, it's also called the Seven Sisters. It's the smallest constellation that we recognize. We discovered that the stars within that constellation Pleiades are in a little star cluster where the stars are actually very, very close together in space. They are so close to each other that the gravity of those stars Mm. are affecting one another, and they are really locked into place. In other words, those stars are indeed chained together. They cannot move (laughs) one from another. A gravitational chain. How in the world did the writer of Job know about that? Yeah, really, because you see, when you look at the stars of a constellation, we don't know how close they are together. One star could be a long, long way away from another, but they look close to us because of our alignment in space. But in fact, they are very, very close. They are chained together. But the stars that form that constellation of Orion aren't close together in space. Some of them are vastly distant from one another in our Milky Way. And so there is no gravitational attraction between them. And in fact, what we've learned is that the stars in Orion are slightly moving away from each other in space. (laughs) Now, we can't perceive that except for the fact that we can extrapolate the movement of those stars. And in fact, Orion, if you could go back and look at what it looked like, say, back in Job's day, is a little different. It's been a few (laughs) thousand years, and those stars have moved with respect to one another. The cord has been loosed. Exactly. I mean, how fantastic is this? How did Job know this? Well, you know what? He didn't know that, I don't think. (laughs) But God is the one who is speaking, and he revealed that to Job as he was describing the movement of these stars to Job and saying, Job, can you chain the stars of the Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion or drag one of the constellations around like a dog (laughs) on a leash? That is how powerful God is, and that's the power of God that he's describing to Job. So here when we read in Job chapter 9, Job understood that God made those constellations. I wonder up until the point that God describes what he did there in chapter 38, if Job knew that God actually chained, bound, and drags them around. (laughs) And yet this God, if he were to pass by me, Job says, I would not see him. It's just mind-boggling. The irony, the contrasts of this creator God that we have are just endless. Also, that reminds me of Elijah when God appeared to him. You know, there was this earthquake and a storm and, and all yeah, this sort of stuff. Yeah, you think he'd be in that, right? Yeah, but he wasn't. He was in the whisper. All right. Well, you know, that's another really excellent comparison to the way Job is considering the grandeur of God. And yet, in some senses, you can't even perceive him as great as he is. But, you know, for Elijah, where God comes to him in the little whisper, What we read later on at the end of the book of Job (laughs) is that God appears to Job in the storm. And that certainly is what Job experienced, in a sense, from God was a great storm, at least at this point in his life. And given that power of God, Job says, who could say to him, what are you doing? So at this particular point in Job's discussion of God, he's got the right idea, we might say. He recognizes that he can't really even challenge God or question what he is doing. But the fact of the matter is, as Job continues to talk through these chapters and through these arguments with his friends, he does begin to question what God is doing. And that is why then later on, God comes and reminds Job, Job, what are you doing questioning what I'm doing? So that's verse 12. 
But Job chapter 9 continues, and though there is not as much of a specific reference to God's power in creation, there are more references to God's power, but this time there's going to be a shift from his work in creation to his control of history. We may even say to the control of the rise and fall of nations. And where we see that is in this next verse, verse 13 of Job chapter 9. So I'm just going to read this one particular verse. Job 9, 13, God will not turn back his anger. Beneath him crouch the helpers of Rahab. So now here in verse 13, Job brings in a new concept, and it's expressed with this word Rahab. Now, we may know Rahab from that character in the days of uh, Joshua. You know, she was the one who hid the spies and so forth. But Rahab is not referring to a person here. It's referring to actually nations. And we know one of the nations that Rahab represents is Egypt. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7, let me read. It says, Even Egypt, whose help is vain and empty, therefore I have called her Rahab, who has been exterminated. So there, Egypt and Rahab are considered to be the same in Isaiah. Again, in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 9, it says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not thou who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not thou who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for the redeemed to cross over? So notice here, Isaiah is calling upon the Lord to act again on behalf of Israel, just like he did when he parted the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. And what did he name, essentially, Egypt, whom he cut into pieces and pierced? Rahab, there in Isaiah 51. But I think we should recognize that Rahab doesn't only have to refer to Egypt. In fact, I think we should understand that in the days of Job, um, I don't even know if Egypt was a power. Hmm. And so if Job is referring to Rahab, in his mind, he's probably not thinking of Egypt. And so here's a passage in Psalm 89 that I think we see the reference to Rahab not necessarily only referring to a nation like Egypt, but more a sense of the nations at large. Let's start reading at verse 8 of Psalm 89. It says, O Lord God of hosts, who is like thee, O mighty Lord? Thy faithfulness also surrounds thee. Thou dost rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, thou dost still them. Thou thyself didst crush Rahab like one who is slain. Thou didst scatter thine enemies with thy mighty arm. The heavens are thine. The earth also is thine, the world and all it contains. Thou hast founded them, the north and the south. Thou hast created them, Tabor and Hermon. Shout for joy at thy name. And so here the sense of Rahab is broader than just Egypt. It can even refer to all the forces of evil that would work against God's plan for creation, whether in heaven or on earth. Well, Dr. Scripture, that kind of cosmic battle makes me think of references in the Bible to the struggle of nations warring against one another for supremacy throughout history actually being directed or at least influenced by spiritual warfare in heaven. Yeah. Well, for example, the battle described in Daniel, where it seems Michael the archangel fights the prince of Persia in heaven, but on earth we see war between Persia and Babylon or or Israel. Well, that's a great point, Scott. The unseen battles in heaven are probably where the real victories are won. And I think what these references in Job and Isaiah and Psalms to Rahab are alluding to is that ultimately, God Almighty is in control of it all. 
And there is one more reference to Rahab and Job that really illustrates this idea. It's in Job chapter 26. We've referred to that passage on other Mm -hmm. occasions, and it's a sweeping description of God's power in creation. And in this passage, God's overarching control of even the flow of the history of humanity. It's Job chapter 26, verse 12. He quieted the sea with his power, and by his understanding, he shattered Rahab. Here, I think what Job is referring to is really prophetic in the sense that he sees how God caused one nation to rise and another nation to fall, one nation to rise and another nation to fall, all for the purpose of God accomplishing what he would accomplish in history, and especially through Israel, a nation that Job didn't even know about yet. (laughs) And of course, ultimately, God would accomplish the defeat of that great enemy of man described here in Job 26, 13. Job says it this way, his hand has pierced the fleeing serpent. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says. Have you missed some of the programs in the series Creation and the Book of Job? Those and all other previous broadcasts of the Scripture on Creation radio program are available on the Scripture on Creation podcast. Just search for Scripture on Creation in whatever podcast app you use.